Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, it's Mike Schneider. And before we begin this episode, I'd like to take a moment to remember our friend and Variety colleague, Dave McNary. Dave was part of our Variety family for more than 20 years, and there was no one who was kinder or harder working in all of our newsroom. Dave passed away on December 26, and the messages of love and support for his wife Sharon and for the Variety family have been overwhelming. We're going to miss him, and we dedicate this episode of the Awards Circuit Podcast to his memory. From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. I'm still like, oh my God. Uh, so for me, you know, if I mean, if you walked in, his, in the room, I'd still, it's still Denzel Washington to me. It's not like, hey, what's up, Denzel? You know, it's like, he's, he's Mr. Washington. Um, you know, I just have a lot of respect for him. You know, it, it's not easy to do what he's done. And what he's done is he's been great in every single movie he's ever made, even the one movies that aren't great. He's still great. That's really hard. Even after winning the Oscar for his turn in Dallas Buyers Club, Jared Leto says he can still be intimidated by his co-stars, including the one and only Denzel Washington. I'm Janelle Riley. On this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to Jared Leto about his role opposite Washington and Rami Malek in the upcoming thriller, The Little Things. The actor, who has also found massive success in the music industry with his band 30 Seconds to Mars, discusses his Mars Island Festival, whether he has any New Year's resolutions, his upcoming role in Morbius, and if we'll see his Joker again. Later in the show, we also talk to Miss Juneteenth star Nicole Bahare and the film's writer-director Channing Godfrey-Peoples. And finally, we end the year by checking in with Ken Jeong and Joel McHale, the community buddies who are hosting a New Year's Eve special for Fox. We made it. It's the final episode of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast for 2020. Stay close. The Little Thing stars Denzel Washington and Rami Malek as detectives trying to track down a serial killer in a small town. Jared Leto plays Albert Sparma, a local who may or may not be the killer. Things probably changed a lot since he left. You still got to catch him, right? Yeah. Not that much has changed then, right? (laughs) I can assure you all we are taking a 24-7 all-hands-on-deck approach to these cases. Guy's a shark. If he stops, he dies. He likes to drive. Probably has a decent car, maybe two. High mileage. You must really like my car. I do. How's the truck space? Playing such a role required a lot of research on Leto's part and for him to go to some dark places. I recently spoke to Leto about the little things and how the character of Sparma reminded him of his run as the Joker in Suicide Squad. Leto also addressed how he feels about the term method actor. But first, I began by asking him about whether he has any New Year's resolutions for 2021. I'm the type of person that would say 
every day is a good day to make uh, New Year's resolutions, but I actually enjoy making resolutions. I, I enjoy any opportunity to, you know, make a good list and take a look at yourself. You know, I have plenty of, of room for improvement and, you know, so I, I, I like to take a, a, that opportunity. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of fun and, and a good one. And it's always fun to look back on years before and see how little you've actually changed. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like it. I'm into it. I never do it, but this year I'm thinking I, I might have to just because I want to sort of put the last year behind me as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it is an interesting year and probably so many of us have taken stock of our lives and who we are and what's going on because we've had so much time with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but it's, it's, it's been such a wild and crazy year and, and, you know, I hope you and your family are safe and sound and it's nice to have a little light at the end of the tunnel right now for everybody, for the world. Exactly. And I'm dying to travel. All my family is on Hawaii and I, I want to get there so badly. Oh, yeah. um, in the meantime, I would love to visit Mars Island. How do I get to go there? Yeah, that, that, that's going to be fun. And, you know, if, if things keep moving in the way that we hope they, they do, that will still be, um, we'll be celebrating it's basically a, uh, like a micro festival. It's a yeah. small festival that we do ourselves. We something that we've always done as a band. We try to put on these really unique um, shows in unexpected venues, and it's basically just a weekend. It's like Coachella, but really small, really intimate, and it's uh, on an island in Croatia. So it's like turquoise water, super beautiful. There's great food and yoga and meditation and workshop all kinds of really fun things or you could just hang out by the the ocean all day and then and listen to music at night with your friends is it really called mars island or is that sort of what you've dubbed it no no it's 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 a we we call it mars island um the island is called obajan i believe uh which is a great sounding name uh and it's a small island we we literally lease out the whole island ourselves just off the mainland of, of Croatia in the middle of the summer. So it's ideal. I've heard Croatia is beautiful. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the people are really interesting. They have really interesting history. Uh, and the coastline is like unparalleled. It's, it's uh, an absolutely uh, breathtaking part of the world. I never would have guessed. I don't know why. I think like Croatia, it's, it sounds like rocky and, you know, <laughs> and not lush. But then I see these photos and I'm like, oh, wow, that looks incredible. Yeah. yeah. And a relatively kind of newer on the tourism scale of things as compared to other places people might go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really sophisticated place and uh, quite lovely. Mm. Well, okay, it's going on the list. And I really do keep a list. Great. <laughs> uh, so there's, you, you do so many things with music and acting and writing. Um, but we're here primarily to talk about uh, your career as an actor. And I'm curious, what was your, your first professional job in the business? Because I know you started at a young age. And I don't know if you knew this was a career or if you were just sort of having fun. Well, I started out as a, an artist, a visual artist. And I always wanted to be um, a painter growing up. Um, I loved painting and, uh, you know, I thought about being a sculptor. 
so I went to art school. Uh, and while I was in art school, I was was always interested in music because my brother was a drummer. Um, so I played some piano as a kid. You know, I tried to find my instrument, but a little bit of guitar here or there, here and there. And, uh, you know, so music was always there. It was always a part of my life. There were instruments laying around, and, you know, we play with those. And uh, But while I was in art school, a couple of things happened. I fell in love with, with film and took a film class and wanted to be a filmmaker. And I had the university start a class because I thought it was pretty crazy that there wasn't an, an acting class for directors. Because I thought, well, how could you have, how can a director talk to an actor if you don't know what you're talking about? So I annoyed the university many times until they uh, agreed to start the class. Uh, they were like, well, if you can find six people to join. So I ran around the campus and found uh, some other people. And I think that class is, 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 is still being taught. I'm not sure. But anyway, selfishly, I was motivated because I wanted to learn. And then when I took that class, I thought, well, maybe this is an interesting way into directing because at the time it, it seemed, even though it's pretty unreasonable and, and, and like difficult to get to make your dreams come true as an actor at that time, it was even harder as a director because mm -hmm. it, you know, you didn't have SLR cameras, you didn't have digital editing, you didn't have YouTube for distribution or anything else or whatever your cup of tea is. So the, the barrier to entry to making films was really, really high. I mean, you know, it was expensive. You needed this equipment that you couldn't buy. You had to, you know, rent or get from the university. And I thought that if I could become an actor first or get some, you know, some job acting, then I would be able to take that and build a career as a director. Um, so that was really my original kind of intention. And I was making music all through university. And, you know, that just started to become a bigger and bigger part of my life. Um, so they, they, you know, it was kind of two paths colliding, although I was making music first. But I never separated it. For me, I just looked at it like I was making things and I was being creative. And I really still have that approach, to be honest. It's sort of unfair that you can be so successful in more than one uh, <laughs> a business that is very hard to break into. Well, I've been really fortunate and, you know, I've, um, I've just been really stubborn, Janelle. I mean, I really have just refused to give up. I think eventually people are like, okay, well, fine. He's here. We might as well just let him hang around for a while. And, you know, with the music, it's been a long long, long journey with my brother, Shannon, who plays the drums and uh, 30 Seconds to Mars is, is really, you know, we, we've taken this time um, of the past like two and a half decades and dedicated our lives to touring, to, to playing concerts all over the world. And that's paid off of, for us in a huge way. We have this incredible life and have had more success than we ever impossible and just struck by gratitude every night we get on stage it's just absolutely incredible that we play from you know paris to to russia to london to texas to this place to asia to australia and and, and you know we've connected with people all over the world it's phenomenal so a lot of gratitude 
And it looks like you have a busy 2021 on screens, starting with The Little Things, which comes to us from filmmaker John Lee Hancock, who's actually one of my, I think he's such an underrated filmmaker. Everything he makes is so entertaining. Uh, How did the script find its way to you and and what interested you in the project? Well, initially I wasn't interested in the project. I remember I thought that, you know, I've explored this territory too much. Time for new adventures. Um, But when I talked to John Lee Hancock, I just kind of fell in love with the guy. I mean, he is an amazing person. His movie, The Founder, just blew my mind. And Michael Keaton, I just thought, was just so great. Michael Keaton's one of my favorites. And He's just so good in that movie. The movie's flawless, shot well, directed so uh, beautifully. And, you know, when John explained what he wanted to do here, I just couldn't say no. And with Denzel Washington and Rami Malek and John Lee Hancock, I I thought, how can I not be a part of this incredible opportunity? Uh, And I'm really glad that I did because it it was an absolute adventure. I'm so happy you mentioned The Founder because I think that movie is so underrated and it is so good. And I I don't know if it just sort of came out at a time where, you know, uh, I I don't know why more people didn't see it. I mean, I guess that's that's always the question. Yeah, it happens sometimes, you know, it it just sometimes there's just, you know, two people miss each other on the train. You know, it's like... uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's not a lot of fun, especially when you have something that you believe in and something that's really, that you're proud of or something that's actually really good. Uh, it's, it's an anomaly. And sometimes people discover them over time. But, it, you know, that movie touched me deeply. And, you know, I, I, I'm very proud of uh, the fact that I got to work with John Lee Hancock. I think he's just a, a, a phenomenal writer and director, one, one of the uh, true American Great. And I love that you're a fan of Michael Keaton because I would love to see your Joker and his Batman get together. Ah, that would be fun. <laughs> what kind of wild movie that would be. But yeah, he was the best. I mean, he was, he was, he was all our favorite uh, Batmans, uh, you know, and just a, just a great uh, actor when you think of, you know, from Beetlejuice to Birdman. I mean, wow, what a, and it's so great that he's back chewing up scenery, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, that's just a wonderful thing to see happen. Um, and I remember, I think it was like Milton Berle, there's one of these old, old school guys. He's like, what's the secret of success? Stick around, you know? <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that they think there's some truth to that. Speaking of, I feel like I just read, did, did you say that you would be, you would like to, or you'd be willing to cameo as the Joker in Wonder Woman 3? Oh, I don't know if I said that, but you know, it's hard <laughs> to say, it's hard to say no to that character. You know, it's like Albert Sparma and the little things. There are a few, very few characters that you play that have absolutely, you know, no rules, you know, that you could just go to town and uh, it's, it's so much fun that, that energy. So, uh, you know, I, I, I have uh, had a lot of fun with that character and Sparma reminds me a little bit uh, of that character as well in that he's just, he's just a little outside the box. You know, he's, he's someone who says and, 
he says everything that he thinks basically. And he always is surprising. Uh, he's very playful. And I found him actually quite funny as well. So, Oh yeah. There were, there were times I was actually kind of giggling and I don't know if yeah. that says something about my psyche because Albert's, uh, again, I don't want to spoil anything because people haven't seen the movie yet, but he might be a serial killer. Um, and he, he could be a good guy or a bad guy. You don't right. know. And but he's, he's a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of enjoys um, toying with that perception, like sort of playing into the like, yeah, I might be a killer. Who knows? Um, how do you prepare for a role like that? Well, we wanted to do something. Look, I didn't want to just show up and be the bad guy. I feel like I've I've explored some of that territory, and you know, we wanted to um, do something different. You know, put something on screen that that really hadn't been seen in in quite that way before. So that was the goal, and it was an incredibly transformative process. Like the the way that he walked, the way that he spoke, um, he had an interesting way of talking, and. Uh, I don't know if you could tell, but I had a, a, a fake nose and uh, the piece and, you know, I had brown eyes, I had some other prosthetics and, and then I had artificial uh, teeth as well. Um, all to really try to help sculpt something that was just slightly off. You couldn't tell, you know, who, who is this person? Why does this feel different? Why does this feel slightly outside the box? Is that something that uh, you discuss with John? Is that in the script where, you know, does, I don't know if it specifies his eye color or these are little things that you want to do to sort of get into the character? Well, no pun intended, but they were, they were, there were more, more little things that I wanted to get into the character. I was, I was just interested in pushing it to a place where it was just, I was more unfamiliar than familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of fun because those things can kind of trigger ideas. They can trigger the way that you talk or move your body or walk. And um, yeah, I really kind of quite fell in love with this strange man. And it's just, you know, I'd love to play him again somehow, actually, uh, if I could, maybe we could do a prequel uh, at some point because it was, it was really a lot of fun, but it was, it was intense as well. I'll tell you, Janelle, the, the work was, there was a lot of work put together to bring this guy to life and make him feel really fleshed out to give him some empathy and some humor and to make sure that he didn't fall into, you know, a long list of suspects, um, but that he stood in his own, on his own ground. Was that humor, <laughs> that, that kind of twinkle in his eye, um, was that in the script or was that something that you discussed with John? You know, John is great because he hires actors and then he has, a, he, he gives actors the greatest gift and that is his faith. And he's the writer. Um, and I think he's just written so much. He, he's got that thing that's rare for a lot of writer writers where he's not precious. If there's a, a different idea to explore, he's, he's open. And he really just, he let me, uh, kind of take off my own reins and, and and go wild. And I think we were all excited to see where we could go, how far we could push things. And that's intoxicating. You know, uh, it keeps you thinking. Every take is different. There are, there's lots of uh, improvisation. There's lots of failure. 
And then there's lots of surprise discovery and some successes. So it's a fun way to do it. As someone who started off wanting, you know, looking into directing, as someone who has worked with so many amazing directors, what do you hope for from a director when you show up to a set? And what don't you like? (laughs) I love walking onto a set and having that feeling like you're protected no matter what. That your director has thought through and is decisive enough to make sure that the actress can come in and fail a bit and still be okay. Because that's how you get to something interesting is, is through the opportunity to fail. Um, so I like really prepared directors, brave directors, kind directors is really a nice one too. Uh, and, you know, people that, that really have faith in, in, in the decisions that they've made and the, and the actors that they work with. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, you got to work, uh, I keep saying at, at a young age, but um, you worked with David Fincher a couple times, who yeah. is one of those directors, I don't think people kind of realize how funny he is. Like He's, he's a blast. I mean, he's got a wicked sense of humor. He's yes. really quick, obviously. And, um, you know, I, I love working with him. I like him a lot as a person and as a filmmaker. I always enjoy um, his work so much. And then there are people that you work with in this business, you know, like Fincher, like Denzel Washington, who are, you know, for me, he's like Beethoven. He, he's, he's, he doesn't, it doesn't get any better than that. He's, it's like, he's the pinnacle to me. So to, to work with him, to go head to head, to get in the ring with Denzel Washington was like quite an honor and uh and exciting and i learned so much watching him work and you know his his subtlety his range his improvisation his uh commitment um it really was a master class in 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 acting and just creativity in general well, I'm hoping you and David can reteam sometime because I, I think that's a dynamite combo. Um, and Thank you, you. Obviously worked with so many legends, but Denzel is Denzel. And you, you don't have to just go head to head with him. You have to kind of intimidate him at times. Um, what is it like stepping onto the set with, you know, Denzel Washington? And, and, and do you ever have those moments as successful as you are where you kind of like have to step out of yourself and be like, oh my God, I'm getting to share a scene with Denzel Washington? Well, I, I'm still like, oh my God. Uh, so for me, you know, if I mean, if he walked in, his, in the room, I'd still, it's still Denzel Washington to me. It's not like, hey, what's up, Denzel? You know, it's like, he's, he's Mr. Washington. Um, you know, I just have a lot of respect for him. You know, it's not easy to do what he's done. And what he's done is he's been great in every single movie he's ever made, even the one movies that aren't great. He's still great. That's really hard. You know, when you're in a movie that's good and you're great, usually you're just good. If you're in a movie that's bad and you're good, you're probably bad. He's great in a movie, it doesn't matter. Um, He's always great. And it's because he works really hard. He's put in the time, he puts in the energy, he's consistent uh, and brave. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate for him. For me, he's, he's a model of like what this can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
you know, super grateful for that opportunity. And to go head to head, it was amazing. Like, you know, I remember on the first, uh, in the first scene, the very first time I worked with him, you know, I made just the smallest little gesture and he was right there with me. You know, I had like a twinkle in my eye and, you know, it's funny, like I never expected him to have to like smile back at me. And I was so like, I was like, yes, it's on. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, think the world of him. He's the best. He's also someone who's surprisingly funny. I don't, I don't know if people know that. He's hilarious. And, you know, these, these greats, like there, there, there are many of them, but, you know, there is a reason that they have had such consistent careers, you know, because they have something really special to offer the world and they're well-rounded and they have, um, you know, they have a lot going on. Uh, I remember uh, when I pulled up next to him in the car, I don't know if you remember the first time I pulled up next oh, to him yeah. in the car. And, uh, you know, I had all, I always like to come in like super prepared. Like when you work with, especially someone like that, you have to come in, you have to know, like you have to know your favorite color, uh, you know, the, your, your, your character's favorite color. And, uh, you know, I remember I started singing at one point. I don't know what's in the movie, but I, I started singing like somewhere over the rainbow or something like that. And and then I turned around and he had a gun pointed at me, you know, which wasn't in the script. But we were both just going for it and dancing uh, uh, together. It was a blast. That's so cool. I, uh, yeah, I, it's weird that even though you're adversaries, you have this great chemistry and the scene you just mentioned with the, with the cars is actually probably my favorite scene in the movie because oh, cool. it's, it's playful, you know, in this yeah. sort of it's cat and way. mouse. Yeah. It's cat and mouse. And I think the film is like a, it's a classic thriller with, you know, that subverts the genre. Like mm-hmm. it makes you think it doesn't wrap it up in a bow. It really pushes you to new territory uh and and i and i like that uh about it albert is you know again we don't know if he's the killer or not uh for a large part of this movie it's very ambiguous um but did you sort of have to prepare to sort of be in a dark headspace uh i think i think it's safe to say that albert even if he's not a killer has some issues (laughs) (laughs) don't we all don't we all, Janelle? Don't we all? Uh, yeah, he he's a guy, like, he's got a menial job. He's very, very, I mean, for him, he feels like he has a menial job. He He's a guy that's highly intelligent. Like I said, he's, he thinks he's got a great sense of humor, but he just can't connect or relate to people. So he lives in the shadows a bit. You know, he's, he's a square peg in a round hole. And, you know, that can be pretty tough. That can be pretty painful. So he his sense of humor, the, his obsession with um, finding work outside of his job, you know, with with being a kind of an amateur detective is something that he pours his passion into. But he's a complicated guy, and it was really interesting to build that character from the ground up. It was, we really went to town. I mean, I can't tell you, it was a lot of fun to do it. And I, I, I just got really, really invested in bringing this guy to life. Was he hard to leave at the end of the day to be in that mindset? Well, 
You know, it was dark. I mean, I, I'm, you asked about that and it's interesting because I hadn't thought about that, but there was a time where I was reading a lot of cold cases, files, looking at things that, you know, are in the darker corners of the, the interwebs. And um, yeah, it, it was a little scary and uh, fascinating, but horrifying at times. So um, at the end of the day, uh, it, it was nice to kind of leave a little bit of that uh, in the past, you know, um, but it was a character that demanded my full attention. And also, you know, it was part of my job was to keep people on their toes because that was Farmer's job, you know. So I would come in with lots of, lots of uh, you know, experiments ready, lots of experimentation. Oh, really? Do you, could you elaborate on one? Well, just lots of, you know, lots of dialogue, lots of choices, lots of curveballs to throw out there, both for myself and um, for the scene in general, because I thought that was, that's how Albert interacted with people. You know, he would take a left turn when it was unexpected. So I, I thought it, it, it was my job to, to be prepared to do that as well. I mean, you're known for for really diving deep into your roles. For chapter 27, I gained uh, about 67 pounds. And um, I would never, ever, I've had a few actors call me over the years and ask me, you know, suggestions about gaining weight. And I always try to talk them out of it because it's not a good thing to do to your, your body. I mean, losing weight is one thing. There's There's something to that, but it's interesting how much it changes the way you walk and talk and even it, the way you laugh or the way you sound in general. Uh, so it can be a good part of the overall transformative experience. And, uh, you know, this one, like I said, I had plenty. I had, uh, it was a complete transformation for me and really a lot of fun. I don't know what this term means to you, but a lot of people refer to you as a method actor. Um, I think that everyone has a method. So I'm not, but, but I think what people think is that you lose yourself in your characters and you go to like great lengths to sort of achieve them. Do you, I, it's meant as a compliment, but do you agree with that assessment? Well, it, I appreciate the term. Um, I think it's a little cloudy, the definition. And it, it could also be really, pretentious as well and I always think of it as my job to be to show up and do the best work that I can I owe that to the other actors I owe to the directors the writer to the studio whoever it's my job to show up do whatever I can to be over prepared and to, to deliver if I if it's possible it's also my job to show up and you know be a pleasure to work with and to be collaborative and um, to have a good experience on set. And that's as important to me as the other stuff. So I never let that get in the way of my commitment uh, or vice versa. You know, I want to show up and, and, and be a good partner to everyone. And that's always really important to us. Um, I like to be really as committed as possible. I don't understand. I don't think I would do a, as good a job if I was, you know, cracking jokes and on my phone right before I you know, jumped into one of these characters, but I also make more dramatic types of films. You know, if I was doing a romantic comedy, you know, I could, it might be fun to do that. Uh, so 
I don't know, maybe there's, maybe I can pull an opposite reconnaissance uh, uh, and, uh, you know, get the shirt off and, you know, get to Hawaii and shoot some, uh, something beautiful and fun out there, right? I would love to see you in a romantic comedy. And actually, Matthew McConaughey did say to me that in many ways, those are the hardest films to make because you're oh, following then the maybe I won't. Okay, <laughs> then maybe I'll stay away. But look, you know, method acting, it's gotten, it's kind of a dirty word in a way uh, to me because I think it, there's gotten, it's gotten just weird connotations to it. So, you know, I understand the term, everyone has a method, you nailed it. Everyone has their method. Uh, and I've seen lots of different actors have lots, lots of different methods. I like to be as focused and to concentrate as much as I can. And that's what seems to get the best um, results out of me. So, you know, I do what I can do and everybody else does what, what they do. Um, before we go, I would love to um, just sort of look ahead at what you have coming up. I don't know if you could tell us anything about Morbius, um, but you have. Yeah, that. sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. I mean, Mor Morbius, I love. It's a it's a really, I'm super excited to share that with the world. Um, it's not often that you have one of these Marvel characters who hasn't been put on screen before. So it was an opportunity to create something brand new and do something I don't often do, which is like the leading man. You know, I don't have done that very much in my life. And so that was a good challenge, but I, I love the character. I played this guy who's a total genius, which is always fun to pretend to be. And his name is Dr. Michael Morbius. He's uh, a doctor who has a rare blood disease uh, and is dying and has dedicated his life to try to find a cure for this disease and other people that have it and he finds a cure and goes from being this frail sickly person who's at the end of his life to being strong and you know powerful but then there's a catch uh so i get to play these kind of three different characters in a way in this jekyll and hyde story that's just big and fun and Sometimes a little scary, uh, which is, I think, different for that genre. And I'm excited about it. It should be a big, fun popcorn movie. I mean, Marvel, just all their movies are so good. I think people, again, we're talking about underrated movies. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to pull off what they do consistently. So I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. Um, and we had a phenomenal response to the trailer. Uh, just has been, you know, people are, are seem to be really excited about it. And, and I am too. So. And again, I never trust anything I read online, but it, it looks like you might be in Zack Snyder's Justice League. You shot something for that or is that? I, I may or may not be in this. <laughs> I've heard the rumors too. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see, we'll have to let Zach, uh, talk about to confirm or deny that one um did you shoot something for it or are you allowed to say I, I may have may or may not have shot something with with zach but i love him he's a he is just a maverick uh and uh an incredible uh filmmaker and you know we get along great have a great chemistry and you know i look i look to look forward to working with him again in, in the future we got and lots I, we have lots up our sleeves zach and i also 
a really good guy, like just a, yeah. just a good person. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Really like can't beat his passion for mm-hmm. for filmmaking for cinema. And I don't know if you saw um, uh, the, your Suicide Squad director, David Ayer, uh, said something on Twitter, just basically saying that he would love to get more of your performance from Suicide Squad out. And people are sort of suggesting that maybe he can release a director. Well, cut. I mean, I would love for him to, you know, be able to work on that and make the film of his dreams. It's always hard when you make these movies because it, it's such a pressure cooker. There's so many decisions that have to be made in, in a short amount of time. And my hat's off to the directors and the producers and the studios. It, it's like, it's not easy. You never start with something that's perfect. It's a race to try to make it as good as you can in a really short amount of time. So, so I get it. And having another swing at things is, is, I'm sure we, we all uh, could use that. And uh, um, I'm so excited to be able to continue to dive into these wild characters. And Albert Sparma to me is, is just another, uh, one of these exciting, fun characters that don't come around too often where you really can, um, break some rules and do and say things that you don't get to say uh, too often. There was one part too, I don't know if it's in the movie, but I just keep thinking of this line where I ask him if he wanted to go get some tacos or something. I I don't know. Is that in there? And I just remember saying like, I don't know, Sparma, he would just say taco. Like he doesn't even say taco. He says taco. And I, I know it might sound ridiculous to people listening to this, but those little things can be so fun to discover. It's like it's like a new, you know, color when you're painting or, you know, a different note or new instrument when you're or a new lyric or something when you're writing a song. I take I have great joy in those little those little things, no pun intended. <laughs> I just want to say that my dream project is uh, to get all of the cinematic jokers sort of like into the Spider-Verse in a oh, movie great. where you and Joaquin and Jack Nicholson can like all play off each other because oh, I just think God. that would be a, a master class. <laughs> oh my God. They might need to lock us up after that. I mean, that, <laughs> that, sounds, like, that sounds like a lot of insanity uh, and a lot of fun. That's Jared Leto, one of the stars of the upcoming film, The Little Things, which comes out January 29th in theaters and on HBO Max. Writer-director Channing Godfrey Peoples' feature directorial debut, Miss Juneteenth, stars Nicole Bahare as Turquoise Jones, a former Miss Juneteenth pageant queen who carves out her own sense of freedom after her dreams to leave her Texas hometown were deferred once becoming a single mother. Variety Film Awards editor Clayton Davis spoke to Godfrey Peoples about how she was inspired to write the film and to Bahare about how she got involved. The two discussed the challenges and the educational component it serves now. They began by discussing how the COVID-19 pandemic impacted the film's rollout this past June. It obviously definitely changed our post process. You know, we had gone to um, Sundance in January with the film and then um, I believe vertical acquired it in March. And so um, then we had to deliver, you know, and that delivery was happening like right around the time that the lockdown began, you know? So we were sheltered in like trying to get through post and um, 
the um, one of the producers on the film is my creative partner, Neil, who also happens to be my husband. So we are sheltered in, you know, in our place with our toddler, like trying to deliver a film. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, the normal process is go to the post house. You're able to, you know, check everything very specifically. Um, and like we couldn't do that. You know, I was like literally looking at color on my laptop. You know, and that is not the way you want to do it. I think I got to the post house like once and was able to like be socially distant with um, the colorist. But it was just, you know, there was a lot of pressure in that. And especially for a first film. And you're also wondering, you know, there were the conversations at that time. I remember about um, we were supposed to open up in 10 markets and every day was a checkup whether theaters would still be open. <laughs> Clayton, are you remembering all this now? Uh, it's like PTSD. It's all coming back. It's all screaming it's all, back. Like, uh, I've tried to block it out to a certain extent, but, you know, um, but there was, you know, at some point, you know, Nicole has talked about surrender. At some point you surrender and you say, you know, you have to let the film go out into the world in the way that it's going out to the world and you hope that it's received. You know, my dream for this film is such a community-based film. And so, you know, even in talking about who would distribute the film, I was always like very firm, like I want to be get the film, you know, I want to have some kind of um, theatrical distribution because I want the community to have access to it. You know, I want them to be able to see it. And um, so there was some disappointment in it not being able to go to the theater, but, you know, first and foremost, it was about, you know, people's health and, you know, wanting people to be safe, you know, in order to see the film. So just a lot of conflicting emotions. And Nicole, from, from Sundance until, until now, uh, you were at Sundance when the movie premiered, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm going to chime in on what you just said. I actually, Canning, I had no idea you guys didn't get to like, I can't imagine. That's crazy. <laughs> you didn't get to be like, and I like, I remember, I remember Neil, I did my ADR on my cell phone, which yeah. is like a new thing. Yeah. I was watching it like, okay, I'm going to just try. Like we had to, you know, do our, our lines, which is normally you're in a, a full rig, you know, you're, 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 you're in like a sound stage. So that, I hadn't really, selfishly as an actor, of course, think about my one little piece. <laughs> I hadn't really considered the fact that you guys didn't get to like, you didn't get to see the color properly and everything. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a miracle. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> you know, I was, the colorist was really great. I was able to give him like really specific notes and eventually, you know, I went there and, you know, was able to see it, you know, but, but just like, I think we had that one 80, ADR session, but it was even, me in Texas and you went into the studio in New York. Right. So, right. you know, we were never really. But that was right before, that was right before the lockdown. After the lockdown, it was like everything was cell phone, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, it was funny about what you, what you guys, what you both just said is that I think, and I'm, and I'm going to say this not pretentiously, regular people uh -oh. that go to, no, regular people who go to the movie theater, when you say to them independent film, they think, tangerine you shoot it on your iphone and then you just throw it up in something and it becomes a movie right they don't understand the process of post-production like and listen i i barely understand it i've been in this industry for a while like about like all that work that goes into it so you imagine like you you go to sundance you're like oh the movie's done and then you're like no 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 no, no. there's still stuff that needs to be done and nicole's job doesn't end on 
last day of shooting, like she's still a part of it. This becomes an educational moment for everybody besides capturing colors. What was, and, and Sam, what was also very challenging uh, for both of you post pandemic? I mean, for us, you know, I think in, Neil talks about probably is a lot more articulate about this because he had to do deliverables. But, you know, I mean, you're navigating so many things. You're obviously, you know, most people are familiar with that you're in the edit for quite a while. You know, you're in sound, you're with your, you know, sound designers, there's dialogue editing, there's things like that. There's ADR, which Nicole has mentioned, um, you know, all the way up to, you know, figuring out what the poster is and, you know, being in communication with the distributors and, you know, engaging audiences and engaging on social media. There's just so many things, you know, <laughs> and um, so many little details that you have to navigate, even the captions, <laughs> which are funny because, you know, I write very specifically. So <laughs> I-, I could only imagine, you know, how that's going for the people that are delivering the captions. So there's just a lot of little details. Nicole? Um, this is not so much about post-production because I really wasn't a part of that. Like, you know, we are still tied into the film, but I wasn't there on the ground doing what they're doing. But I know having the film come out at the time that it did was on the heels of the passing of George Floyd, his murder, and, um, you know, protests and a lot of things coming to the surface and a lot of conversations happening. And uh, I don't even like to call it unrest, but like, you know, things coming to the surface. Yeah. Um, it was interesting because it w- we had to do like press and interviews while processing that. Like while going through that, processing not only the pandemic, but then having to talk um, about things as they were happening in real time and also realizing that there was there were a lot of parallels in our story about people who were underrepresented and families and like what they're going through uh, because of systemic racism or injustice. And it was just like that to me was probably the most. uh I wouldn't say challenging, but I would say that was a huge responsibility because we shot the film a year ago. So there was like a a responsibility that I had at the time to turquoise to the character, to Channing's vision. But then there's a new responsibility that I never could have imagined, you know, and also Juneteenth this year, uh, June 19th, coming out on that day was also somehow one of the first Juneteenths to date that I know of that it, it was sort of a a conversation on a mass scale that everyone was talking about and, and sort of I, I either discovering or uh, committing to celebrate, you know? And so that felt special, but also the reason behind it felt troubling, you know? I have to give a shout out to Variety and not just because I'm new here, but they uh, they recognize Juneteenth as a holiday now here. Uh, hey, thank is, you. Is, yeah. it's great. They swapped it out for Columbus Day, which was appropriate move so i agree shout out to the variety um so let, let's talk about uh so nicole you just said you filmed it about a year ago um how long did you guys film how long was filming so principal was 22 days and then yes they worked me like a dog <laughs> they worked me like a dog i, I smile when i say that and then um <laughs> <laughs> we had a couple of pickup days. Um, I just like ex- exhaled for Nicole. I was like, 
oh my god like <laughs> two days that's like the new thing everyone just wants to like just shoot as fast as possible and just get it in and out i'm not saying that's what no every everyone does not want to. i know yeah. <laughs> i would love the luxury of much more time <laughs> Um, but we had to get the film done and yes, it was a fast turnaround, you know, um, it it was definitely, you know, compressed. I'll say that. Um, let's talk about its inception. So Channing, like, you know, you, you wrote, directed it, um, your first movie feature film, which I've been saying this a lot lately. So the listeners are going to be like, this is getting repetitive, but it's, it's true. I've been telling the, the for, this is the year for first time filmmakers. Like there is something in the water. I don't know what it is. It's like y'all are coming in and just showing some veterans up. And if this is you on your first, I can't imagine what's going to happen when you, when we let you off the leash and just let you run amok on a movie and just do whatever it is you want, because it is so, so good. So timely so touching um how did the film come to be and why miss juneteenth i mean it's interesting because you know nicole has touched on some things about um juneteenth you know this year with with all you know with the things that happened just like george floyd which you know is this awful tragedy but it come on the heels of several other awful tragedies you know like um there was even um a tatiana jefferson that happened in my hometown where the film was based in Fort Worth, Texas, that had been um, killed by a policeman around that time. Um, And I think around the time that we were shooting, actually, or shortly thereafter. But um, it's interesting that Juneteenth is now, you know, in the national conscious somewhat, because I grew up with it. It was like so much a part of like the fabric of my childhood, you know, it was what I looked forward to every year. And, you know, the things that I remember as a kid, like I knew there was going to be like a huge parade and there was like blues music and barbecue, you know, and there was dance and it would always open up with lift every voice and sing. And I I would always have those like really fond memories of that. Um, And then when I went off to graduate school, um, I went to graduate school in L.A. at USC. And, you know, I would tell people, um, happy Juneteenth on June 19th, you know, not even thinking about it. And they would just look at me like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You know, and I would have to literally explain it. And I was like, wow, you know, um, I would love to find a story that centered Juneteenth in some way. But the special thing, the most special thing, I think, for me, um, in commemorating Juneteenth annually was the Miss Juneteenth pageant. And, you know, people, I hope people have come to the film by now, but just in case they haven't, um, Miss Juneteenth is a scholastic um, beauty pageant for young Black women um, to gain college scholarships. And um, it really is, it's almost like a legacy beauty pageant. You know, um, Juneteenth, itself commemorates obviously the fact that the enslaved people in Texas didn't find out they were free until two and a half years, you know, after everyone else, um, sadly. And so I think in the community, there was always this search for finding a way to commemorate our ancestors. And so Juneteenth was born. And um, it's just, a. I, I think it's just, the film is just so much, it's inspired by my life. You know, the characters are inspired, like Turquoise in particular is inspired by, my mom and my grandmother, my aunts and women in the community that were like, 
super determined and they had a grit about them, but they always um, carried themselves with a sense of grace. Hmm. Nicole, I mean, so we, so Channing lays it out. Here's the blueprints of a fantastic story. How does Nicole get into this project and knock it out of the park the way you do? I'm not sure I knocked it out the park, but we did the best. I did the best I could. Um, are, are, are you? Are you? Were you one of those kids in class? that would be like, oh, I didn't even study for the test, and then <laughs> and you get a hundred on the test. Like the, Nicole's one of those. I, I get it. Okay. But, um, I think it was the standard like script reading, and then being like, oh, I really, I really love this. Um, I love these people. I feel like I know and care about all these characters and all these people. I, I love how. Um, Channing created characters that are multifaceted, that no one's like a good guy or a bad guy, that there was like a lot of gray and um, everyone's after the best possible outcome in their own way, um, which is something that I, that I don't always see in the storytelling and the scripts that I'm reading. So, you know, I would say I was pretty um, aggressive about it. I think I taped like twice, was it? I, 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 like I taped a few times, uh, you know, did, did some changes and showed her like an alternative version of, of, of the character. And then, and then we had a lot of conversations. Um, I also, I didn't know about Juneteenth in the way that, 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 that the film presents it. I sort of found out about it in college, you know, like if you're in the black community, like there might be like a soul food spot that has like a Juneteenth poster in Atlanta or something like that. But like, you know, that's kind of like the, the, the most that I was exposed to it. Um, so learning more about that even felt like paying homage to, as Channing said, um, ancestors and to a part of the collective diasporic story that isn't told a great deal. So, you know, I just, I'm just like really into that. And, um, I was also raised by a single mommy who did a terrific job by May Saint Tom myself. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of pour that into, into this character. I have to share your sense. And listen, I'm, I'm half Puerto Rican, half black from the Bronx. And I didn't, I don't think I heard the word Juneteenth until I was like 22, 23 years old. Right. right. You know, and, and, you know, also raised by a single mom. So shout outs. Uh, Yeah. You know, my, my my mom, when I was really young, we lived like, you know, low income housing in the Bronx. I was surrounded by the black community, never heard of it, you know, and then getting older into a Latino community, never heard it then either. And then even in college, you know, there was, it didn't really come up and, you know, you're not in college in June, I guess. So that maybe, that's why like, <laughs> I, I miss me, maybe in some ways. Like, I, I, I'm trying, like, I, you know, and there's a, there is a sense of shame, I guess, that comes with it, um, especially if you're a part of the the black community. Channing, is that has that come up a lot for you? Like, thank you for this education, but also the sense of like their head down coming to you. Like, I didn't know anything about this. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because like when I, you know, I keep mentioning Neil, my creative partner. Like when we pitched the film together, like he was literally there from the inception. Um, we met in film school. I talked to him about the idea in film school. And um, we would go out and the first thing that we would have to do in the pitching would be explain, you know, what Juneteenth was. (laughs) And then we could get to the characters, you know. But it's also, you know, I have to say that um, 
I've heard it, people call it a holiday, but I, you know, I've come to, as an adult, I call it a commemoration, you know, of these ancestors, because as as an adult, you know, I see it in a much different way, you know, um, really when I was growing up, it really was about the celebration and I always like today, I think it's more about the reverence, you know? Um, So for me, it's very, it's a commemorative day that is very specific to Texas as well. You know, like um, I just remember like all over Texas, you know, people were celebrating Juneteenth. So like I could understand geographically why folks kind of, it wouldn't have made its way to different places, but it's um, being celebrated in, in many states now. And, you know, hopefully we'll see many more after this year in particular, and which is co- coming to the conscious. That's Miss Juneteenth writer-director Channing Godfrey-Peoples, along with star Nicole Bahare. Miss Juneteenth is currently available to watch on demand. 2020 was a dumpster fire, and community stars Ken Jeong and Joel McHale hope to give it the send-off that it deserves via a New Year's Eve special they're hosting this year for Fox. Well, the year wasn't all bad for Jong, the masked singer and masked dancer panelist who also hosts I Can See Your Voice, all for Fox. And Mikhail got in on the Joe Exotic Frenzy with a Tiger King special for Netflix, and he also has his own game show, Card Sharks, at ABC. Together, they also host a podcast, The Darkest Timeline, in which they reminisce about community while talking about the shit show times we live in. Variety's Michael Schneider recently spoke to them about New Year's Eve, and the interview was as big of a train wreck as you might hope. You don't allow your publicist to make eye contact with you on Zoom calls? Um, look, Michael Snyder from Variety is here, but that's absolutely true. You yes. know, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's a personal question, but yes, it's just not. Yeah. So when I think of 2020, I think of pandemic, but then I also think of Joel and Ken. It's it, uh, like it's, in a I mean, bad way. I mean, how dare you? Just I mean, how, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, there was, a, God, there, was a, there was a lot of you two this year. I mean, we have Ken's day. We, we had, we had. Joel, all of we have Joe Lai. Instead of July, we had Joe Lai. I was trying to. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. I mean, and you got Thank all, you. you got the card shark home game. You got the sweatsuit. Yeah. This was, there was a I lot saw of, that picture, man. The card shark home game. And you're just like smugly going, rah, rah, I'm a shark. Rah. Yeah. And I think I ordered one and it still hasn't come yet. Uh, <laughs> look at this. Are you? Are you in, Boyd are you sent in me this game? today that I didn't even know existed. Now I have to go uh, sue. What is that? Creativity coloring book with Joel McHale? No one told me about that. Yeah, you're not creative. I agree yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the name of the book should be How Do I Get More Money? Is that your second book? <laughs> creative Creativity coloring book. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, been, it's much anticipated. Much, much anticipated. How many crayons does it take to fill in those 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 Joel McHale guns that he's sporting these days? No, I didn't write that book. No, dude. Uh, well, actually, it's good because Ken is on one of the other pages, and to fill in Ken's biceps, uh, it takes a very <laughs> fine. <laughs> How dare you? You How dare like you? Like a really sharp colored pencil. How dare um, you? Not in, I use, you can use a, like not a, in front of variety, not in front of variety. No. How dare you? So, How dare you? So I, I kid, but you guys had an interesting year, uh, including the podcast that you're doing together. You both have your shows that you're hosting in the middle of a pandemic. 
uh, and then you're appearing on multiple shows. Ken, you have apparently photos, uh, inappropriate photos of Rob Wade and, and Charlie Collier <laughs> somewhere because you're now 64% of the Fox primetime schedule. <laughs> I don't know how you... When I turn on Fox and I don't see Ken, I get nervous, right? <laughs> you get withdrawals, Ken yeah, draws. Like, What's happening? Where's Ken? This is yeah. where he's supposed to be in the middle of Lone Star right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. We're supposed to be a Ken's Day promo doing Lone Star. Yeah. No, you know? And Jong 911, right? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> Ken it's I would like it if you were just quietly judge Rob Lowe during his performance in. Nine one Lone Star nine yeah. one one. Yeah, a little pitchy dog. <laughs> and you burst out crying, and then you go. Yeah. I burst out crying with jealousy when he does it really well, and then uh, and then I just look at him smugly when he doesn't. Oh, can't win them all, you know. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Like, I give it a six, and you're like, we don't even use numbers on my other shows. It's the Mass Doctor. It's another show that I'm sure I'm going to be a part of. The By Mass the way, Doctor. Oh, I like the Mass Doctor, where you're judging people doing surgery. Yeah. Oh, I know who does an appendectomy like that. Bjork. Yeah. Yep. I like right. it. I like it. <laughs> Nobody does it like those Icelandic surgeons do. Yeah, you those Icelandic surgeons. Oh, they, man. Got, they got this move. They I mean, that move. no tremors because Lily from Ice, they're just cool as yeah. ice. Boom. Um, Michael Snyder, it's not gonna get a word in this interview. Never gonna be able to ask about Unity Movie or anything else. Are you going to get the vaccine on the mass singer or the mass dancer or on I can see your what one of your shows? When's the mass vaccinator on? I forgot that one. Yes. I'm trying to remember that one. Oh, I was trying like, to. Is it Pfizer and Moderna that are going to be the network for the mass? So the person Her gets question the, both. Does the person get the jab and go, oh, now that that is the Ox, Oxford Zeneca? I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my God. Oh yeah. That's yep. the yeah. See the way my arms tingling. Yeah. Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a Johnson and Johnson. Don't even try to get us by that. The tingle means it's working, you know. Man, I, <laughs> I, I am stumped. I do not know what vaccine vaccine this is. I don't know. I, I don't know. Oh my gosh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take it off, and then the band aids off, and then it's just like Moderna. Twenty twenty one. How do how do we expand the Ken's uh, Ken's Day franchise? Even I think it officially goes away January first. Am I right, Joel? <laughs> uh, yes. Officially, uh, it, like it's to, like Benjamin, Benjamin Buttons. It's just like I'm a baby again or something. I'd like to break in with a commercial, by the way. Uh, <laughs> on. Oh, God. One moment. It's, uh, <gasps> oh. <laughs> All right, there you go. Enough, like, prone. Yeah. I had a callback for that. How'd it go? Well, I didn't get it. I didn't get it, you know, because... Uh, I just, I just, well, no, I just said enough crones with, uh, I didn't know how they wanted me to say it, question mark, sarcastic, so I tried to do my best, Mikhail, no, no, it was earned, it was earned, the person who got it deserved it. This is my impression of me in that audition, like. Yeah, go ahead, and action. That's it. Joel, I love your energy, that was great, would you mind just saying the words, enough crones, I I love what you're doing. Oh, I forgot, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, Joel, it's okay, and, okay, all right, and three, two, one, take two, action. Enough, Crohn's. Okay, that was great, but um, loved it. Excellent, probably going to use it, but can you just say it without like you're flirting with the disease? Just maybe just oh. say, 
Just like maybe be more like just implore, more implorative maybe. Okay, and action. Enough, Crohn's. <laughs> Too much? That was great. That was that was great. Can you put am I on hold? Am I on hold? Did you put Is me it, on hold? Yeah, no. When's Jim Rush available? You know, you're great. We're we're circling you. Just uh, we just want to know your availabilities or not. I'm available. I'm available. Thank right, you. Right, right. Oh yeah. I'm this sorry. Fun. It'll be super. We're fun. leaving the meeting. We just have to leave. Leave the meeting. That was uh, that was the blow by blow of the card sharks audition. Yeah. <laughs> Actual shark. Card sharks. <laughs> but Michael, let's get to you. <laughs> Actually, it's not how it works. He's he's supposed to interview us. As unfortunately, that's so how it works. You guys are doing a little New Year's Eve celebration. What, what's this all about? What's what's uh, what's what's? How do you celebrate a year that everyone can't wait to leave into another year that everyone expects is going to be great, but probably is going to be a dumpster fire as well. <laughs> <laughs> some, well, first of all, I'd like to have you as a writer. Second of all, I like like that's like we're using that. And second of all, I think we're um, you know I think that that'll be the challenge. I mean, it, that's literally. And both Ken and I think there was a lot of good that happened in 2020, like Tiger King. I don't know what we're gonna do, Michael. I really don't know. I think we're just gonna. I think we're just gonna read old community episodes, like some some just some table reads, um, season yeah, two. Works. That yeah. Works. That works. We're just going to read season four. I was going to say, it's 2020, <laughs> so it's nothing but season four episodes. Um, no, I will say that's why the show is the toast and roast, and we will yeah. be roasting a lot of stuff. We'll be making fun of a lot of stuff. So uh, this is the most unique year of everyone's life, I would say, uh, especially for uh, a general population of everywhere. So uh, there's a lot to make fun of, and... Ken is easy. Ken is easy. And he was easy in school <laughs> and he was easy in college. And so that, I'm going to really make fun of that. Yeah, I really do think there is um, there's so many mixed feelings that everyone's going through right now that you a have to while being funny and while roasting each other like Joel and I do, there has to be clear love for you know, the people we're trying to entertain, uh, the people we're working with and around. And and I do think in a way it's an inspired choice to have someone like Joel and I who kind of have had this kind of dynamic for, you know, since the very beginning of community where we can make fun of each other and we just, we will go at each other. Um, but, you know, he's one of my best friends and we really, there's a genuine love there. And I think in, in my, the, the uh, whatever the version is, as long as that dynamic shines through is that you know there is sincerity even in our in our roasting you know and i think that we have kind of honed this dynamic even in front of the camera with our podcast you know with mass singer appearances i can see your voice and obviously on community so i'm really banking on our just our natural rapport and rhythm and it's just Working with him is just, it literally is just like working with a glove that doesn't fit anymore because I've outgrown it because I'm now more famous. Well, but, <laughs> but, per, per capita shows. Um, but your hand is so much smaller. It has so much room in the glove. As the, as the eagle gets bigger, the hand gets smaller. It's like putting an up, my regular glove looks like an oven on you. It's just now, huge. 
Now you are both going to be up against both Seacrest and Carson Daly. The uh, the, the whole, oh yeah, uh, oh, uh, let the trash talking begin. Oh man, can't and, and, wait. Oh, and the, the holy trinity of of hopes right there. <laughs> yeah, where's Anderson Cooper this year? You see, no, Anderson and Andy. They're on. They're oh, they are. Okay, in. I yep. thought one of them back as well. Our foxes, Andy. Cooper. I'm definitely. You know what? I'm definitely shorter than all of them. So I think there. I got that going for me. I think that seriously. I think that. Uh, People, you know, who are quarantined and just used to seeing, you know, just, just kind of like small bodies on the screen, they'll look at me and, and you know, like a one-year-old go, oh, yeah, one of us, you know, so I think that we got that going. So we'll get that one-year-old that. demo. The thing with Ryan, though, he doesn't age. It's terrifying. So he does kind of look like he's wearing like a beard of some sort. <laughs> I wonder well, if I- he just can sit in that same chair on the Disney sing-along and just swap out the sweater, put on a top gun. And it's like... Welcome to the countdown. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm very jealous. We do that secret impression again? Oh, right, great. Right up. Uh, right after this, we have the uh, Iggy Azalea. <laughs> and that is the kind of magic you'll see on Fox. Cheap yeah. knockoffs of Ryan Seacrest and uh, a host uh, shorter than all of them. I think, uh, Michael, Ken and I would both agree that Anderson and Andy and uh, Carson and Ryan are going to be way better shows. They're, they're, no, we're not arguing that. Of course, that's yeah, going to they, be. They've done yeah. it before. We've never but, done it. They're they're way more experienced and professional. Yeah, but see, here at Fox, and when people look at me, my logo is always, why not? You know what I mean? It's just, why yeah. not? And no. he said here at Fox, and he's actually at Fox. That's what it looks like. Oh, yeah, I'm on the oh, lot. I'm on the lot right now, as you can see. I've done the yeah. podcast from that the is, lot. That is it's the really entirety. Cool. Look in the corner. There. That's the entirety of all the awards that Fox has won. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Well, really? I've been told I got to wrap it up. So. <laughs> <laughs> we gave you nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but what have we learned? 2020 sucks. The other countdown shows are going to be way better. Yeah. Uh, Fox has a, a do something award or a, a spike award. And um, we're shorter and we have more awkward energy. I think yeah. that's what yeah. we bring. That's what we bring to TV and that's what we bring New Year's Eve. So, you know, you've tried the best. Now come to the rest. You know there what I mean? And, and it looked like through Michael's lighting that he had a chemical peel about 10 minutes ago. Let's not. You know what? I mean, <laughs> we went from self-deprecating to literally destructive. Like That's from an from an epidermis level, medically speaking. Wait, Love you, Michael. Really, Michael, are they really kicking you off? I think you have other interviews, maybe or something. Right, well, just uh, okay. You can ask us, You can ask one more normal question. You know, like a serious question, if you want. I'm sorry. <laughs> Will there be a community movie? <laughs> Will there be a community movie? I got it. We shot it. Yes, <laughs> that'll be 2021, right? That, that'll be that, 2020. That is. The vaccine for America will be the community movie. Insert it in your yeah. veins. <laughs> It'll be there. That's what's going to bring America together. Baby Yoda will be, be in. So, <laughs> We're going to get Pedro and Baby Yoda. Is Baby Yoda going to be Chang now? Baby Yoda is going to do he's a bit. He's got, he's, Baby Yoda is more in the zeitgeist. Yeah, I'm sorry, Ken. I'm sorry. It's okay. I, I, look, oh, you know what? I'll, I can be like the trained medic. I can be the Baby Yoda medic behind the scenes. It all counts. It's all a paycheck. Oh, we'll figure something. Um, they're calling it Yoda Day. Yoda, Yoda Day. Yeah, Yoda Day. I can see your voice, I can. You know, like it just takes <laughs> all my shows. Call your agent. <laughs> Who said we can't fill in three and a half hours at a time? Who said that? <laughs> Who said that? I want to know where that note came from. I'm out of ideas already. <laughs>
That was Ken Jeong and Joel McHale tormenting our own Michael Schneider. Fox's New Year's Eve Toast and Roast 2021 airs live coast to coast on, you guessed it, New Year's Eve. And that's it for this New Year's Eve edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions in key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Clayton Davis, and Michael Schneider, I'm Janelle Riley. We'll see you on the circuit. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.